Welcome to RushCast. My name is Jay Mantis. Thank you for listening and downloading. Glad to have you in. Find us on Twitter at RushCast2112. And you can email the show, RushCast2112 at gmail.com. We have a great episode today because we're doing something we've never done on RushCast. Today we are doing something we've never done. We are going to have two digital discussions today. That's right. The big deal. Two digital discussions. We're trying to change it up a little bit. Do something a little crazy and wild before the 2016 album series, which we will talk about. Two digital discussions. It's going to be a blast. So I'm glad you're here. If you haven't heard, we're going to go through one album each week the whole episode will be on one album and i'm looking to bring in a guest or two for each album to talk about literally everything involved with that album song order which songs felt good right out of the gate and which songs took a while to grow on you um artwork how did the recording go Anything we can find on these albums. That's why I'm asking my listeners to help me do this. You're going to do some of the research with me. And aside from that, the two of us will just have a conversation about that album. And of course, listeners will write in when they after they hear the album. And so we might have a small segment on, you know, after roll the on the Roll the Bones episode, the beginning of that episode, we might talk about what people responded to. Um, about Presto and things like that. You get the idea. So we're going to just kind of... Um, we're going to kind of play it by ear here for the next... By ear for the next couple of weeks as we build up to that. I do have a couple albums left open that are not represented for the album series. So if you think you're an expert on a specific album, let me know. I have... Um, especially the debut album... I'm looking for somebody who has experience with that album when it was the only Rush album in existence, right? If you remember that album being released, please let me know. I want And, and other fans want to hear about that. So I'd love to have you on the show. Uh, if you didn't, if you weren't around for that release... But you still want, you know, you, you were, you're an older guy who was around for maybe like Fly By Night or Caress of Steel, uh, and you could still speak to the debut album. Um, send me your info. Don't, don't hesitate to send me these kind of auditions, because I want to I find some people who are, have some really good stuff to say about it. And even regardless, even if you just, you want to gush about that album, send me your stuff. Uh, last uh, last week we didn't have a digital we did not have a digital discussion but I did mention that there's you mentioned something about food God I don't even remember what we were saying but uh, a couple guys sent in emails and said here's some rush foods for you so Kurt Storm emailed and said uh, there's no bread let him eat cake from Bastille Day. That's a good... I, I knew there were a few of these, and you guys pointed them out. And Mark Courier also mentioned better people, better food, better beer, which was a really cool line for me. When I first started absorbing Power Windows, that song was one of the first ones that jumped out at me, and it had some really cool lines like that. 
So those are some good points. Thanks, guys. We had this bit last episode with my father and I about how to say Paul Scazzati's name. And I think I'm saying it Italian enough. But Paul emailed and kind of talked about what it was like to listen to two strangers he doesn't know butcher his name. Here's Paul's email. Jay, I got a kick out of you and your dad goofing on my Italian name on the latest podcast. As your punishment, I want to share an epic win and fail story with you. I was in my car the week before clockwork, the clockwork show in Philly going to a doctor's appointment when the DJ on the radio announced a Name That Noodle contest for front row rush tickets. All you had to do was name the five rush song snippets and you win. Sounds easy, right? Well, thankfully, it was 2 p.m. in the afternoon on a weekday and it was rush, which made it a little easier getting through on the phone. After a few minutes of dialing, I got through in the four out of five. I got through and got four out of five snippets. Correct. No dice. You had to get all five to win. So I'm sitting there totally late for my appointment, but determined and or obsessed. And other guys are calling in and getting the easy ones totally wrong. I mean, who the heck can identify the subdivision's keyboard sound? Luckily, I had the benefit of hearing the five riffs over and over as guys kept failing more miserably than I had. Sitting there in my car with a pen and scrap paper, jotting down all possibilities for the one riff that was giving me trouble, and finally it hit me. It was the guitar tone, stupid. I thought, I thought about the guitar tone, placed it in a specific rush time period, and came up with a very good guess. Dialing my phone like a madman, I got through again, which is a miracle in itself. And this time I got all five right. I won two front row tickets, a clockwork book, and a signed lithograph. I asked the DJ if, I, if he could give me meet and greet passes, but he said, don't be greedy. Where's the epic fail in this story, you ask? Well, my buddy and I show up to the venue to pick up the tickets, and inside the envelope are two meet and greet passes. They never told me they were giving them to me. The instruction slip inside the envelope said to, quote, attend the meet and greet uh, it said, quote, to attend the meet and greet, you must be at such and such security station by 6.30 p.m. Unfortunately, it was already 7. We got stuck in traffic, and plus we didn't even know what was waiting for us other than the tickets. Denied. We tried to race down to the security desk, but they told us the meet and greet was already over. Oh, well, front row, Getty's side, and my mind was blown. Thanks for reading, man. Well, thank you for the email, Paul Scazzati. That is an epic win fail for sure. Um, I, I don't understand why a DJ would give you meet and greet passes and not tell you about it because we all know that the band isn't, they're going to do the meet and greet thing for a few minutes and then they're going to be done. They're not going to come back out for you. So the kind of a, more of a fail on the DJ's part, I would say. Uh, and I'm also curious to know which uh, which riff you couldn't place at first. You said, luckily, I had the benefit of hearing the riff over and over, uh, jotting down all the possibilities, giving me trouble. It was the guitar tone, stupid. I thought about the guitar tone, placed it in a specific rush time period, and came up with a very good guess. Well, what was it? Let us know what it was. 
It's funny, like out of context, sometimes you can't place a song when you only hear a, one little chunk. A lot of you are sending me uh, medleys that you've compiled or that you've recorded, kind of in the spirit of the R30 medley. And we talked about this when we didn't know anything about R40 and we all thought they were going to play a medley. The medleys are cool, and it's one of the first things that... I don't I don't know why. It wasn't the first anything. It was just when I was getting into the band, I was learning bass and kind of fumbling around on guitar and drums and keyboards. Uh, and I really liked the idea of the medley where, like, oh, how, how can we... How, where, which part of this song will blend perfectly into another song? So they take two songs and they figure out where the chords are the same or whatever and, and how they can blend them into each other. And that's a really cool idea for me. So I actually recorded a medley as like a 15-year-old or something. And it's a putrid recording. It's so bad quality-wise. And the playing isn't fantastic. But it was like... My idea, I think it was from the bottom up. It went from uh, Rush all the way up to Far Cry, which at the time, Far Cry was the only thing we had heard off of Snakes and Arrows. Snakes and Arrows wasn't even out yet. And I think it hit every single album, but or, or something close to it. But someday I might put that on the podcast just so you can hear how it's bad. It's almost funny how bad it is. And it's a 15-year-old version or something close to that of Jay Mantis fumbling around on instruments trying to get this right. There's no vocals. It's all instrumental. Um, but it's a, really cool, it's a really cool concept. And what's interesting is Clockwork Angels. I think somebody sent me something like a Clockwork Angels medley. And what's interesting about that is that clock like for how for how great Clockwork is and it's great it's a great album. The reason it's not in like my top five or whatever, it's not in my upper tier is because as a musician, there's like some parts of you just can't help but analyze music sometimes. And when you analyze Clockwork Angels, you realize that it's not necessarily the most, uh, it's not the most developed. It's not the most. I don't want to say complex because music doesn't have to be complex to be good. It doesn't have to say, it doesn't have to be technically advanced or um, you know you don't have to be moving your fingers fast or quickly to for it to be good music. And I think Alex Lifeson is the poster child for that. Like he's he's the re like that's if you look at Alex Lifeson's playing, he's the one going, "Hey guys, you don't have to play fast and furious to." to be a good guitar player. And it, the same goes for a band. What I'm trying to say is Clockwork has a lot of the same keys. The songs are, are pitched in the e, very similar keys, mostly E and A, um, or maybe, maybe not A on Clockwork. I can't think of anything that's an A. But a, a lot of E, and that's a very guitar-bass-friendly key. It's, it's sort of an easy key to play in. Not to say that Rock bands haven't done, like, rock bands play an E all the time. Rush plays an E all the time. Tom Sawyer, first note is E. Spirit of Radio, E. Working Man, E. It, it's just a thing. Like, like, 
I don't hold it against them. It's the lowest note on their instruments. I, I accept that that's a thing. And with Clockwork, they said, let's kind of go back, backwards and let's go back to the older style and play more riffy stuff. And honestly, I would end up writing an E2 if that were the case, most likely. But I think that in itself makes clock, making a medley of Clockwork songs very easy because they're all in the same key. It'd be very easy to find places where you could blend them into each other. You know, like, let's take, uh, if, if you play guitar or bass and you've ever tried to play Rush, you know what I'm talking about. You know that Subdivisions starts on F sharp and ends in, like, kind of like G major, if you could argue. F sharp and G major, those aren't, those aren't guitar or, like, rock-friendly keys, especially F sharp. In, in, in a classical sense, in... in how rock and roll has developed. E is like, oh yeah, E, A, D, sure. But F sharp is like, what? That doesn't happen unless you're the Beach Boys. Uh, <laughs> look at Power Windows. While Power Windows has, and, and even Hold Your Fire together, they have themes in terms of what keys they're in. It's not, I don't think it's as bad. However, they play in B a lot. And B is a weird key. Or if you don't know anything about instruments, B is a weird key for almost every instrument there is. Pro it's probably the least weird for guitar and bass and, and fretted instruments like that, but it's, it's a weird key. Let's look at the songs that are in B off the top of my head here. The Big Money starts out on a big, fat B5 chord, B. The same album, Marathon. Starts off on a B. The, 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 whole, the whole verse and, and melody is, or uh, chorus is based on a B chord. I uh, Turn the Page, I believe, is based on a B tonal center. Uh, there's a few on, on Power Windows where you go, oh, like there's a theme, but you know they didn't really play in B before. This is a different thing for Rush. And that, for a musician, makes me kind of like appreciate the music a little bit more. Like, oh, this is a... Sometimes you just need a new tonal center. This is this is getting into a different area than I wanted to go to, but I guess I'm here and I'll commit to it. If you're a musician, you know what I mean. There's tonal centers need to be there needs to be a variety among an album on an album so that you have a different flavor to a song. So when I listen to Clockwork, that was one of the first things I noticed when I listened to Clockwork. I'm like, oh, this is in E again. Okay. Um, not to say it's that's a bad thing. It's just Interesting. On Snakes and Arrows, right before Clockwork, I like Snakes and Arrows a lot, and part of that is because of that divide, the, the diversity. I almost made up a new word right there. The diversity of tonal centers on the album. Tone, I use tonal center and key kind of interchangeably right now. Far Cry starts on F sharp. It gets to E eventually. Or I'm sorry, it starts on E. And then, but is really in kind of like an F sharp for a time. Again, F sharp is different. It's weird uh, for for a rock band. The larger bowl is essentially written around really basic guitar chords that you learn in like first position. Any guitar player that has had more than three lessons started learning G, C, and D in A minor. 
those that, those are the chords built on that song. But that's a, again a great example of the song does not need to be complex for it to be good. You might be asking, okay, well, what's a complex Rush song? If 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 Snakes and Arrows isn't complex, which I, I do think it is, I might make it sound like it's not right now, but I think it is a complex album and material. If the material on Clockwork isn't complex, then what is? Well. We can all agree that the the late 70s stuff was complex, right? No one's arguing Cygnus is a simple song. I think Moving Pictures, those are very complicated songs, even though they're shorter and a little more radio-friendly. I think Power Windows, as it's so layered and it's got so much, so many textures moving, that, that those are complicated. Hold Your Fire even more so. Maybe Presto is a little less complicated. Um... But there are some interesting keys going on in Presto. I don't know. What do you. I, I mean, every Rush song is complex. What Can we think of a, a. What's the least complex Rush song? I might argue it's The Larger Bowl. Um, maybe some of the old, like, Tears, maybe. Like, the, you know, there are some. Some more. Some easier Rush songs on your ears, but. So I guess what I'm saying is a, a clockwork medley. <laughs> clockwork kind of lends itself to a medley where they could just smash a bunch of them together and say, "All right, we played, we you know, we tasted a few of these clockwork songs." Maybe in a live setting is what I'm thinking of. This episode's actually breaking ground. We have a it's a a brand new thing for Rushcast. Uh, I'm really excited about this. It's something we've never done. Something brand new. Right before this album series, let's just, let's just do something new, something exciting and different. We are going to have two digital discussions this week. I said it. We're having two digital discussions. We didn't do one last week officially. Let's do... I had uh, uh, somebody email in a, an idea, and I said, let's do it. it. It's two digital discussions in one episode I think we can handle it. I think it'll be exciting. There's more stuff to talk about, um, more data, more information. I think it'll be good for the show, good for you, good for me. Let's do it. Let's do two digital discussions. Dave H. sent me an email a long time ago, early October, and had a really cool idea. Here's his email. He says... Long-time listener, first-time caller. I like what you did there. I'm listening to the rush, the Rushcast from October 4th with Lauren, and it sparked a topic that I've spent way too much time thinking about and talking about with other Rush fans. What's the perfect song you introduce a Rush virgin to? What's intricate enough to get the gist of their greatness, but not screechy or noodly to scare them away? Too screechy or too noodly. Does introducing a guy differ from introducing a woman? I may or may not have lost sleep over this topic. I figured you and your listeners would have some thoughts. It's a great idea, and I've been wanting to get to this for a while. What do you introduce a Rush version to? There's a lot of variables here. For me, it's not necessarily, is this person a man, and is this person a woman? It's, is this person musically inclined? And by the way, that's a that's a bogus line. That's There's no such thing as that. Uh, coming, this is the music teacher, Jay Mance, is talking to you, not the Rush fan. <laughs> There's no such thing as being musically inclined. 
Uh, if you've got a, a, a music background and you perform in some capacity, that's going to alter my decision for which song is going to give you. And historically, what I've done is I'll make a playlist. You can't just give someone one song. We all know that. You can't, we, we can't boil down Rush's entire catalog to one tune. So I'll usually make a playlist, and in fact, I might have an example for Pull that up. I'll do a little improvising. I'll make an example based on, like, for example, I've had piano players. I had a piano player who was super into the band Fish, and he was he always used to tease me about Rush. He wasn't really a huge fan, uh, so I gave him uh, some some Rush songs, a, a playlist. Doesn't look like I have it here. So the idea, I think, is to give an overview, like like this. Um, my producer's mother, I got into Rush, and. I wanted her to experience kind of an overview of the whole catalog, and then I asked her, I kind of gave her like two from each era, and said, which ones do you like best? And she, and she liked a lot of stuff from Counterparts, Test for Echo, uh, Roll the Bones, I think. So I started her, and then I gave her those albums, and that's one way to do it. But to just, if someone says like, what is Rush? And what do they sound like? Give me, give me three or four songs to listen to. Man. There's one that comes up really quick. When I first heard this song, the first time I ever heard it, I thought, this is, this is like, this is what they are. This is it. This is, it's a newer song. It's a, it just has everything. And it's short and it's sweet and it does, you know, it knows what it is. It's not trying to be something different. Uh, like I'd argue like maybe Larger Bowl, while a great song, is trying to, kind of trying to be something that, doesn't necessarily represent Rush the best. You know what I mean? I think this song nails it. And that's Secret Touch. I, I, would, I would give any listener Secret Touch and say, this is what Rush is. This is the, the one song I really, I think I could say, this is, it's just boom, boom, boom. Here's what we do. Cool riffs, uh, you know, cool kind of textures happening, a really chunky, really aggressive bridge. It's straight to the point. The way out is the way in. Whatever that means. <laughs> and then I think about how I got introduced to the band. Uh, Russian Rio. And I know a lot of people, Alec Pulianis included, who were just kind of, a lot, I, a lot of you talked to me about this. Rio was like the first thing. Something about Rio just really grips you by the throat and says, no, you're along for the ride for the rest of your life now. I don't know what it is. Uh, the song selection, the... The best bass tone Getty's ever had. <laughs> I always like to remind you of that. Maybe, maybe that's what it was. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you could just say, "Hey, here's Russian Rio. It's a live thing from 2002 or whatever," and it just absorb this. However, I always like to give people studio stuff. The studio records are what the band wanted it to sound, wanted the material to sound like. The live thing is like, "All right, we're gonna try to do this again." But in the studio, they made it what they thought was perfect. And that's why I like the studio recordings. Again, uh, in addition to Rio, I also started with the Spirit of Radio compilation disc with the Dalmatian on the front and the radio. I think that has a really, really nice taste of at least the first chunk of their career. The, maybe the, the first half. Uh, it's up to Hold Your Fire. It ends with Time Stand Still. But it's essentially every radio hit from the beginning up to Hold Your Fire. So... I just think, I thought those were really, you get everything. You get closer to the heart. You get Tom Sawyer, Limelight, Red Barchetta, 
uh, Working Man, Fly by Night, you get you get everything you need on that one compilation. However, I would much rather make a personalized playlist, especially if I have a taste of what you like musically or what you play. Like if you're a musician that I play with and you want to know Rush, I can I can cater the playlist to what you like. I've often thought like you can give whole albums as well. You know, I could give you I could just say here's Power Windows. Like you like synthesizers, here's Power Windows. The whole thing is great. And people have done that f- with me for other with other bands. I uh, just said, just listen to this whole album. You'll love it. And it's worked. Going back to like single songs, Secret Touch for sure. In On the same kind of page, like if I know this guy likes metal, if he's into heavier stuff, I'll give him Caravan. I think Caravan on the heavier edge of the material, of, of their discography, is a good song that represents what they are as a metal group. And again, metal in the 1970s definition of metal. I think Caravan says, here's what we are as a hard-rocking group. And man, it is a beast. And in the same kind of window, Far Cry as well. I think Far Cry is just a perfect explanation of what Rush is. Also, Far Cry and Secret Touch. You know, maybe Marathon. I, I'm, I'm, Marathon I am so attached to, personally, that I don't know. I don't know if it's a perfect representation of what Rush is, or if I just love it so much. Like it, maybe I just I'm tricking myself into believing that it's a perfect representation of Rush. I know people like my dad would argue Mission has everything you need to know. He he's always said that Mission just has everything that Rush does well. Everything they did well is in that song, and I think he's right. So send me a list, a small list, and send me 12 songs and albums and, and playlists. But maybe, maybe send me 5 to 10 tracks that you would or have given a newbie Rush fan. So we're doing something different this episode. We're going to do two digital discussions. I'm excited. It's, this is something different, and it's, it's intense. So let's, let's get into this. This comes from an email I got this week from Carl H., who emails the show a lot. Thank you, Carl. Good to hear from you. He says at the end of this email, I don't remember if you mentioned anything about a digital discussion this week, so how about this one for next week? What is your favorite Rush song featuring the name of a mountain in its song title? I think it's got potential, he says. I think it does, too. It's a great idea. So let's talk about this. What is your favorite Rush song that mentions the name of a mountain in its song title? trick you gotta you gotta really think about it uh to get the ranking right you know you don't want to you don't want to order them wrong oh man um is mount is mount rushmore is that is that even like in the running is mount rushmore on the list by the way there's a mount rush cast podcast i think that's i think it's called mount rush cast i don't know what it is I just know that our name is in their name. So we're friends, even though we've never talked. <laughs> so I've got my entry, Carl. I think maybe Carl's probably got his ready, too. So next week we'll, dis- we'll discuss. Next week I'll tell you what, what my um, favorite Rush song 
featuring the name of a mountain title in its sorry a name of a mountain in its song title is. I'll tell you next week. Carl will tell you his. Carl, you're gonna have to let me know, and we'll see what everybody else thinks. Okay, let's get a little more serious. Um, I talk a lot about the band that I listen to right now, the metal band. I, I have I have a lot of jazz to listen to. My I'm in a great grad program right now. It's a called a jazz studies program, and you learn about jazz history. You learn about different styles from different players. And I'm starting. I'm like at the bare bottom. I don't know these guys. I uh, I couldn't initially. I couldn't tell you what Lester Young played, what instrument he played. I didn't know anything about Louis Armstrong. And these are mortal sins in the in the jazz world. So I'm learning about those things now. I uh, my homework in this the program is really cool because I don't have to write anything. I don't have to research and research and research. I did that all about like string pedagogy in my undergrad. So I was happy to find a program where I didn't have to research. I could just play my instrument and get better at playing bass. So I'm really happy. It's a great program. Uh, my homework is not, you know, research this, write that, or write me a paper on this. It's listen to this Miles Davis record. Go listen, go listen to Coleman Hawkins. Go uh, go hear this performer live down uh, in Midtown Manhattan. Or go to Greenwich Village and hear your professor perform. My, my homework is to listen to jazz. So I don't listen to a lot of Rush right now because I can't. Uh, at night I have a sleep playlist that I want to talk about at some point. Uh, best songs, you know, to go to sleep to. We'll, we'll do that in the future. So I, I get I get a taste of like counterparts every night and and things like that. So I listen to, and by the way, when we do this album album series, uh, we're gonna have to. And Chad, correspondent Chad, said this to me. He's like, I'm looking forward to the album series because I want to hear you really absorb each album and be forced to talk about it, like. You can't just brush off moving pictures. Like in the year that we've been doing Rushcast, I don't know if I've ever sat down and been like, "Yeah, let's just talk about moving pictures." Because I've been so focused on giving the other albums, you know, I've been focused on giving Presto credit and and let yeah, let's talk about Totem and Carve Away the Stone. Like let's give these in Dog Years. Let let's give these other songs some light. Uh, so he's like, I want to hear you just listen to moving pictures for a week, and then at the end of the week come in and talk about it. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that, especially since it'll force me to listen to one album uh, for a week and really absorb it again. So when I'm not listening to jazz right now, I'm listening to this band, Periphery. If you've been listening to my show, you know Periphery. You 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 know of their name. They're a younger band, but in my opinion, they're they they are what pro, pro, prog progressive blah 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 whatever progressive whatever. That's what they are now. That's what it's become. So if Rush is progressive metal or progressive rock, these guys are rep- a representation of where that has gone. Like, I, I don't think you could take Rush and look at it through their career and say, oh, the, you know, pr- progressive rock? Oh, what is, where has it gone? Well, it was 2112, or at least Fly By Night, then it was Crest of Steel, it was 2112, and then Moving Pictures, that's where progressive rock went then, and then they went to Power Windows, and that's kind of a good representation of progressive rock. You can't do that, because I think after Hemispheres, they weren't a progressive rock band anymore. 
maybe a little bit of, of permanent waves, a little bit of moving pictures were proggy. But they they're not they haven't been a progressive band in years. Years. They have decades they haven't been a progressive rock band. So periphery to me is just and and as I listened to Rush and I grew older, I I, I kind of was starving for something a little heavier. I just, I just wanted a little bit more energy. Not that Rush wasn't giving me that energy. I just I wanted to explore. And this band is a heavier progressive metal band, and I, you gotta check it out, man. So this goes along with the Rush Virgin d- digital discussion that we're talking about. Here's my pitch to you for Periphery. I want you to listen, if you're interested at all in what I'm saying, I want you to listen to the song off their first album called Race Car. One word, Race Car. It is their longest song. It's 16 minutes. So we're talking, this is their 2112. This is their Cygnus. Uh, it's proggy. But I don't think there's a song in Rush's catalog, uh, one of the epic songs, that flows better than Race Car. I've I've never heard a song a, a song you know twelve minutes plus or whatever that moves and is as thematic and as 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 seemingly seemingly seamless. There are there's no breaks in the action. There's no pauses. There's no page turns. It's just boom boom boom. It's it's like a, a symphony without movements or something. It it's really a treat to listen to. They they write shorter songs generally, but I just I can't get enough of this song and what's happening and the themes that come back and they come back as different things and the vocals and the, the and I have to say like if you're not into the screaming like I'm not a huge guy who like a big, a guy who loves screaming I think I like screaming when people do it well like there's a certain kind of scream that I'm like oh that sounds good but most of it I'm like ah. Uh, the big thing for screaming for me is, is it, does it contrast something? Screaming in contrast to amazing vocals is cool for me. Screaming is, and please hear me out, hear me out just a little bit, because Rush isn't a band who screams. You don't know what screaming is. It's it, metal bands, and they, they're, it's their vocalist literally screaming into the mic and kind of growling. Uh, it's just an... It's just breaking the threshold of energy. Like a singer sings at this certain level, but at some point the music needs needs so much more energy that you get the scream, and that the scream represents those lyrics at a higher energy level. And I think what Periphery does so well is their vocalist has these amazing, and he sings so high. He's almost like Getty Lee at times, the old Getty, right? The screaming is done so nicely in contrast to the vocals. So that's that's my pitch about screaming. Like I think the only thing that might deter you is that he screams a little bit, but I think it's done so so nicely in this song, especially. If you're feeling extra motivated or you like race car, a shorter song, and this is their Tom Sawyer. This is their Spirit of Radio, like the the one song that their limelight that they're known for that they will never ever get away with not playing live. From their first album is called Icarus Lives. I C A. R-U-S, Icarus Lives. And that's their, it's got a really cool hook at the beginning. It's kind of bluesy. Uh, another really good representation of what they are. So I encourage you to check that out. And if you do, please let me know what you think. Even if you hate it, let me know that you hate it and let me know why. 
email me and say, listen, I love Farewell to Kings. I love hemispheres. Like that's that's where I live. Those are my that's where my heart is. And I don't like periphery because I didn't like the songs you told me because blank or because of this reason. Or I loved it. But, you know, I saw, tell me about similarities to Rush because the more I listen to Race Car, the more Rush I hear. The more and I'm dying for this band. I follow them on every you know social media thing I can. I'm dying for them to acknowledge that they're influenced by Rush. They'll they'll tell you all day they're influenced by Dream Theater and Meshuggah and Tool. But I think I think they're influenced by Rush, and I just need them to. I'm dying for them to acknowledge that. So I know it's a little off the rails in terms of Rush, me talking about Periphery. But if you give Race Car a try, it's long. Just give it one listen. You know, the second listen, you're gonna get so many different things. But I'd be curious to see if you see any or hear any similarities. Because it's I'm very, very passionate about this band and very, very passionate about that song in particular, Race Car. Okay, this was fun. I need a drink because I've been yelling about a band that isn't Rush on my Rush podcast. <laughs> but we have two excellent digital discussions, a first ever First time thing, two digital discussions. Very much look forward to what you're going to say about both of them. Yeah, and now I'm going to go watch the Steelers kick some butt. Go Steelers. Brought to you no, by... No, I say it. Brought to you by Knickerbocker.